And to Jesus be the glory. And I mean to Jesus be the glory and honor and praise. What a wonderful Lord we serve. His mercies are everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. Precious Jesus, we give you the praise. And thank you for being with me today for this beautiful teaching on the humanity of the Lord. You know, a few days ago, I was, of course, we had a conference. We showed that to you where I taught on the deity of the Lord. Today, I want to kind of continue, but I want to talk to you face-to-face on his humanity because the next attack, I believe, that's coming against the church will be against the deity of the Lord. And the question has been for 2,000 years, how can God be man and how can man be God? So today, I want to talk about the humanity of Jesus to show you and prove to you that he is God in the flesh. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you. I mean that with all my heart. But let's pray. Wonderful Lord, thank you for your love. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your word, your truth, your kindness and forgiveness and patience with all of us. To you belongs all the glory. We love you with all of our hearts. May our love intensify. And Lord, sow us in your word. Establish us in your word. Establish your word in us. In Jesus' precious name and God's people said, Amen. Remember what I just said. Sow us, Lord. Sow like seed. Sow us in your word. And your word in us. Establish it, Lord. We give you praise. Amen. All right. Now, I talked to you already about his deity. Now, remember, for God to be God, number one, he must be what? Um, uh, omnipotent, almighty. Number two, and I, sh- I shared it with you last week, of course. Number two, he must be omniscient, all-knowing. Number three, omnipresent. Number four, and the Bible says very clearly, eternal. And number five, unchangeable. Every one of these, the Lord fits them, each one. He is all-powerful. By him, he holds all things by the word of his power. He is omniscient. In him are hid the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. In Colossians, it says. He is omnipresent because he said, I'm with you always. He's eternal, same yesterday, today, forever. He's also unchangeable. So he is God Almighty. And, and for God to be God, he must also have, what, seven offices, which I gave you. But let's just go through them real quick because I want to talk about his humanity today. I want to deal with his humanity. And I'll probably continue tomorrow. For God to be God, he must be creator. So it says that he made all things. By him, all things were made, right? For God to be God, he must be preserver. So and the Bible tells us he holds all things by the word of his power. Three, he must forgive sins. And I'll give you those scriptures in just a quick second. So number one, creation. For God to be God, he must be creator. For God to be God, he must be preserver. For God to be God, because these are his offices. The five I gave you earlier are his attributes. Omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, eternal, unchangeable. For God to be God, also he must have seven offices. Creation, preservation. Forgiveness of sins, he must raise the dead, number four. Number five, he must transform our bodies. Number six, he must be the judge of all men. And number seven, he must bestow life eternal. And all these things I've shared with you before, because I want to just give you all that in case you missed it. So the Bible tells us in John 1, 3, he made all things. By him, all things were made. So he's creator. He is preserver, Hebrews 1, 3. He holds all things by the word of his power. He forgives our sins, Mark 2, 5 through 10. Thy sins be forgiven, they said to the man who was crippled. He must raise the dead. 
John 6, 39 through 44. He must transform our bodies, Philippians 3, 20, 21. Uh, and of course, that amazing portion there. He must judge the quick and the dead, 2 Timothy 4, 1. And John 5, 22, 23. And then he must also bestow life eternal. And that's John 10, 27 through 28, and John 17, 1 and 2. Now, if you missed all this, then you've got to go back and you've got to see it all over again because if you missed it, you know, go back and watch it because I just gave it to you fast. But let's talk about his humanity. And this is the part that I think people have trouble with and have had it for 2,000 years. The attack against our faith has always been on these two points. Is he God and is he man? So remember in the Gospel of John, uh, he, he, he dealt with what? His deity. That's why he wrote the Gospel. And then in 1 John, he dealt with his humanity because there was an attack against the Lord's humanity. But let's read uh, the Gospel of John 1.14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you, Lord. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's also go, before I talk about this, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 6 through 8. Who being in the form of God, thought it not probably to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So here we see he's equal to God, yet he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And I love what it says in First Timothy. Um, this is really important for, for you to understand all this, because... There's going to be a new attack, I promise you. There's been a new, a new attack just like 2,000 years ago. It's going to come back against his deity and humanity. So we read now 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Okay. So I showed you from Scripture already about his deity. Now let's talk about his humanity. So. Jesus, the man, called, uh, Paul called him the man Christ Jesus. Is he worthy of our faith? Is he worthy of our supreme love? Is he worthy of our obedience and whole, wholehearted worship? Because as a man, he is still God. And he was God, he is God, forever will be God. And in this talk today I'm having with you today, I want to show you that this divine, almighty God, the eternal God, became man. And in becoming a man, he did not cease to be the Lord. He didn't cease to be God. But the Word, the eternal Word, took human form, human nature upon himself. So God, the eternal Word, took upon himself human form, human nature. John 1, 14, the word was made flesh. He who is God, from, from God, 
took upon himself our likeness. So, but in becoming a man, the Bible says clearly he did not cease to be God. So he is and was very God of very God. And at the same time, he was a man and truly completely a man like any other man that ever walked on this earth. So the doctrine of the humanity of Jesus Christ is as essential, it's as important to our faith as the doctrine of his deity. Because our faith would collapse if we did not believe in both. His deity, his humanity. God Almighty in the flesh. That's why John, I told you, wrote the Gospel of John, proving that this Jesus is God. So he says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And then in First John he says, that which we've heard, that which we've seen, that which our hands have handled is the word of life, the word of life. So the doctrine of the Lord's humanity is as, in, as important to us as his deity. And anyone who does not believe that Jesus became a real man, uh, frankly, is deceived and uh, is of the enemy because in 1 John, let's go to 1 John, 1 John 4 and verse 1, 2, and 3, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. So it's so important. The Bible clearly teaches that God Almighty took upon himself the form of flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. I always loved when Billy Graham would preach, he would say, God crucified in the person of Jesus Christ. God who was crucified in the person of Jesus Christ. Because there are many people today that, that have problems with that, but there should be no problem because we have to see both. And our faith is clear. Our, what the Bible teaches is clear on this. There are as many passages in the Bible that confirm that Jesus is God as there are passages that confirm he's also a man. First, the Bible teaches, now, because, okay, you say, well, well uh, explain uh, uh, what is a real man. Okay, well, let's ask about, uh, let's ask the question about Adam. Was Adam a real man? Who's the real man here, Adam or Jesus? Okay, let's, can we identify with Adam, who just showed up on the scene? He had no parents, no lineage, no history. He just showed up all fully grown. 
I nor you can identify with a man like Adam. Even though God created Adam and we came from Adam, all of us physically, but can we really identify with Adam who just showed up, fully grown, full of wisdom and knowledge? Can we identify with a man who did not know pain and, and sorrow and loneliness and all the rest of it as he was growing up? Can we identify with a man who was helpless as a child, dependent on parents to protect him? No. But Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Jesus had parents. Adam did not have parents, did he? We, there's no mention in the Bible that Adam had parents. But Jesus did. So the real man here is Christ Jesus. That's why he's called the man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. So it's very clear in the word of God that the Lord had parents. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, first of all. And I'm going to show you the divine and the human with his parents. Because in Luke 2 and verse 7, we'll read these words. And she brought forth her first son, her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the, in the inn. So here we see very, very clearly that she, Jesus was the son of Mary. She brought forth her firstborn son. Okay, but how about Luke 1, 35? So you see the human side. Now let's look at the divine side. In Luke 1, 35, we see who his father is. No, not Joseph. You know that. Come on. And the angel answered and said unto her, Luke 1, 35, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the high shall overshadow thee, therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called what? The Son of God. Now watch this. In Luke 2, 7, he's called the Son of Mary, her son. In Luke 135, he's the son of God. So here you see his father is God Almighty. His mother is Mary. Divinity and humanity in one. Luke 135, divinity. Luke 27, humanity. There it is. You know, I really have a problem with why people question this. What Bible are they reading, you know? So he was called the son of God because he was begotten directly by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. And she became the mother of the Son of God. So the angel said, the Holy Ghost will come upon thee. The power of the highest will overshadow you. And, and that holy thing within, that holy thing or the word thing is one. And that holy one, because that's the Greek, which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Beautiful. But now, so Jesus had parents, God, his father, Mary, his mother, but also Joseph was there too. He wasn't his father though, but he was dependent on Joseph for protection and for growth physically and for food and nourishment, because he was a carpenter, remember that? So here's Jesus being dependent on, on parents. Now, did Adam have lineage? Did he come from some tribe or some family? No, but Jesus did. It says to us in Romans chapter 1, see how beautiful this is? 
so beautiful, like the Bible is to me so amazing, really. Romans 1.3, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. So here we see he was born of the seed of David. So Adam did not have mom and daddy, Jesus did. Adam did not have a lineage, Jesus did. He had a history. But one more thing, he also came from the tribe of Judah, not only David, but the tribe of Judah. Adam had no tribe, he came from no tribe. So in Hebrews 7, 14, we read, it is evident It is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses speaking, I think, concerning priesthood. Okay. And the thing is, Jesus had a real human body. Real human body. Can we please go to 1 John one more time? 1 John. And I'm going to read chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. So why am I teaching on this? Well, because a lot of people don't, don't teach this. For, for example, Christian science believes that uh, Jesus could not be truly man. In fact, they called him a mortal thought. Can you believe that? Christian science calls Jesus a mortal thought rather than a human being. They teach that his body, this is, this is you know, Christian science, they teach that his body was an illusion. That is what people believe today in many parts of the world, that Jesus was like an illusion. He wasn't really a real man. The Antichrist one day will convince the world. That will be the lie. See, the devil wants people to believe the lie, that Jesus is not God. And if they believe he is God, he's going to convince them he's not man. So that has been the lie for 2,000 years, as you know. And one day the Antichrist is going to convince the world that he's God, not Jesus. And they're going to worship him as God. So that whole attack is going to come back that Jesus is not God, that he's not deity. And, you know, I told you already a few days ago when I was teaching that conference that you saw, there's a big difference today between divinity and deity. Years ago, there wasn't. Years ago, if you said divine, you meant God. Today, if you say divine, you could mean a man. You could mean a prophet. You could mean... So that's why when they say Jesus is one way to heaven, they say, well, he's divine, but he's not God. So there's other divinities that they believe in, prophets and uh, some individuals other that claim to be whatever they claim, because they deny that Jesus is God Almighty. And that lie is coming back when the Antichrist will convince the world that he is God, not Jesus. So so you see what's coming. And the Lord, not only is God Almighty and man, fully man, he had a real body. He had a real physical body. So what Christian science says, well, mortal thought, and others say, well, some illusion. No, no, no. The Bible is clear on this. In Luke 24, in Luke 24, verse 39, uh, because... uh, he had a physical body. Well, let's just read it, okay? 
Luke 24, verse 39. Behold my hands and my feet, he said. He was raised from the dead. He said, it is I, myself, handle mincy, for a spirit hath not flesh and what? Bone. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands, his feet. Wow. And while they yet believed not for joy, and wonder, he said, do you have any food here? I love this about the Lord. He's just been raised from the dead, okay? And they're all in shock. And he says, look, I'm not spirit, I'm flesh and bone. He didn't say flesh and blood because his blood had been shed. Any food here? I love that. Just to show how down to earth he is, how real the Lord is. That's make me fall in love with him over and over. And the Lord, his same human body, the Bible tells us in Luke, uh, sorry, sorry, in Acts, in Acts, let's go to Acts. Uh, Please tell uh, Jackson to quit calling me. I'm, I'm, I'm taping, please. Uh, Acts chapter 7. Dear Jackson went to the store, so he, he's calling about something, but Lucas will take care of it. Ah, this is life, so we just keep going. All right, Acts seven fifty-five. Look what it says. This is beautiful. But he, being filled of the Holy Ghost, spe- uh, speaking of Stephen, looked up steadfast into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Wow. And when the Lord returns, he will return with the same body left with. He will will return as a man. God in the flesh. Matthew 26 and I want to read verse 64, and it says, And Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Never, n- Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So here in this statement, the Lord spoke of his deity and humanity together because he said, You've said, because he said, are you the son of God? He said, as, as you said, nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter will you see the son of man sitting on the right hand of what power? So here, the son of God, son of man in one verse, coming in the clouds of heaven. Deity, humanity in one verse. And I'm going to just give you one more scripture and continue tomorrow because this is such an important, important truth that I've, you know, I can't just rush it, okay? So Philippians 3, verse 20, 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious what? Body. Human body according to the working whereby he's able even to subdue all things unto himself. And I want to say, hallelujah. So tomorrow we're going to continue because I want to show you tomorrow 
that in his physical body he had limitations when he was on earth because he was fully human. I remember Catherine Kuhlman saying he was as much God as though he was not man, and he was as much man as though he was not God. I love that. He was as much God as though he was not man when he lived on the earth, and he was as much man as though he was not God. God in the flesh, 100% God, 100% man in one person, the Lord Jesus, whom we love. But tomorrow we're going to deal with the with the questions people come up with. Well, if, if he's God, how come this? And if he's God, how come that? If he's God, how come he said that? We'll deal with that tomorrow. Right now, it's time to give to the work of the Lord. It's time to say, thank you, Lord, with an offering. It's time to give him praise and worship with an offering. And it's time to also say, Lord, I trust you with an offering. You know, every time we give, we say, Lord, I trust you. Every time we give. We're saying, Lord, I'm dependent on you, not only spiritually, but also physically, and also for my natural life. Because when we, look, look, when we give God our offering, we're not just saying, my life belongs to you. We're also saying, my possessions belong to the Lord. Every time you give God an offering, you're, you're saying, my life and my possessions are yours. And we honor him like that. We honor him with our substance, with our substance. Now, I know a lot of you probably are wondering, why am I not talking about what's happening in my part of the world? Well, because I'm focusing on Jesus, and I'm asking you also to pray for Israel, to pray for the Palestinians, to pray for what's going on in that part of the world. But let's keep our eyes on the Lord. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord. Because when you keep your eyes on, on, on the Lord, that's the best thing you can do for your life. At the same time, you don't ignore what's going on. You just pray. You just pray and ask God to intervene, ask God to do what needs to be done, you know, because he loves these people. He loves them all. So let's focus on Jesus right now. Let's focus on Jesus. He said, come on to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'm praying right now. Of course I'm praying. I pray every day for what's happening in my part of the world. I come from Jaffa, you know. I, and I love both Jews and Arabs. And I pray for them. I pray that the Lord will bring peace, will bring peace to Jerusalem, will bring peace to his people, both Jews and Arabs, because his people are Jews and Arabs. Many blessed, precious Arabs love the Lord and are children of God just like you, you and I are. So, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. And I pray today you'll bless your people as they give, as they sow seed in your precious kingdom today. And, Lord, I pray you'll bless them as they sow seed. And, Lord, we bless you and we praise you today with our seed, with our offering. We honor you. With our offering, we worship you. With our offering, we give you praise. For your word declares, bring an offering to the Lord. We give you praise. Okay, you can sow your seed right now on the platform you are watching me on. Or you can go to our website, benin.org. We, we probably we've, we've upgraded it so you can, it's easier now to, to see what's going on in our ministry and to be blessed and so forth. Or you can give, by the way, by texting BHM45777. 
But I, let me just say one more thing before I go. I believe all that's going on is very much prophetic and fulfilling prophecy, fulfilling prophecy. And one day we're going to see the whole picture come together as the Lord is about to return. But I'll talk to you about that later. This is not the time to give you details on this matter with what's going on in my part of the world. All right, much love to all of you, and thank you. I want to say thank you for being my wonderful partner. With all my heart, I say thank you, and I pray the Lord will bless you, reward you, anoint you, and use you for his glory, and meet all your needs in Jesus' precious name. Okay, tomorrow we continue on the humanity of the Lord, and we're going to deal with those matters that people have questioned. Okay, much love. I'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Benny Hen Ministries has stayed on the cutting edge for the past five decades. The Lord made it clear that keeping and storing all archives and resources should be a top priority. Thus far, we've rescued and digitized 10,500 of the 13,437 tapes from the past half century. Pastor Benny's legacy, life's work, calling and anointing will be preserved for generations yet to come. Nearly 50 years ago, this great adventure known as Benny Hen Ministries began with one voice. Today, that one voice continues to be amplified over and over through every possible means. What happens next will be the greatest blessing of all. Isn't it wonderful what the Lord has done? And to Jesus be all the glory. I wanted to show you this beautiful report about the digitizing of thousands and thousands of hours already of the great meetings from the past. Because we want to keep them for our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. So we need your help still. So thank you, thank you. I just wanted to show you that your money is doing the job. What you gave in the past is really making it happen. But let's keep doing it for the Lord, please. This is for His glory because now it can go to every nation on earth in every language on earth because of your help. All right, you can give right now on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benihim.org, or you can simply text BHM45777. So thank you for loving, thank you for giving, and let's keep glorifying our wonderful Savior. Much love to you. Thanks again.